Welcome back to the Best in the Rest podcast, the show where I, Preston, review things. I'm just an average guy who hates his job and is trying to make his way out of it. I'm going to give the average person's perspective on pieces of media that people label the best, and I'll see for myself. I'm not very artsy, don't read a lot into subtext or the hidden meaning of a piece. I'm not going to give you a 40-minute overview of why it matters that the curtains in a room were blue for a scene. I'm just going to give you a very simple, did I enjoy it? Yes, no, and here's why. If it's great and I think that it deserves to be in that group, I'll say that it's the best. When I'm saying that it's the best, I don't mean that it's the number one of all time and there's no beating it, but it's more of a group that is, you could make an argument for it. If I don't think it falls in that category, I'll say it belongs with the rest. We're going to be looking at the not very divisive at all, no issues that I've seen anywhere, online or in person, The Last of Us Part 2. I bought this game on day one, right? I liked the first game well enough. It's not my favorite game of all time, but I liked it well enough to where I thought, I'm totally fine. I went in spoiler, well, mostly spoiler free. I did get spoiled because someone had DM'd me on Reddit saying, here are the spoilers. Like, I had just mentioned The Last of Us 2 and about how I was excited for it. And I immediately got DM'd the spoilers, read the subject line, and I was immediately pissed. Right, the people who do that, by the way, do belong in some kind of internet jail. If you do those things, you just take a good look on yourself and just, just ask, why? Why would you do that? Just know that if I also want to read the spoilers, I'll seek them out myself. So I think that this game had a really tough time because it had leaks beforehand and it ignited just a fucking firestorm. The game got review bombed right away by the user community on Metacritic, even though a lot of critics thought it was worthy of really high praise. That's good enough for me, uh, for people thinking that it is the best ever, so I'm going to review it. Kind of falls into that purview that I mentioned earlier. I will say that if you want me to review your show, movie, game, or whatever, send the request to me by sending it to thebestintherestpodcast at gmail.com. I know I'm being basic with no domain name. I'll work on it if I actually have anyone who listens to this. Also, please try sending some feedback my way. I'm obviously pretty new to this, and I'm trying to play around with the way that I'm talking about subjects structure-wise. So this might differ from my last review, the one on Avatar The Last Airbender, which, by the way, you should go check out. So out of the gate, I'm going to say it right away, because last time I kind of forgot until I was about halfway through a point, but there are spoilers in this video. In fact, I'm going to spoil the first Last of Us game, and then obviously the second one. You've been warned, if you don't want to be spoiled, beat it and come back, I'd love to talk to you about it. So first I'm going to give a little bit of insight into the first game, if you don't know about it and why it matters in part two. I'll say that I played part one, but it was years and years ago. I played the remastered version on PS4, didn't have a PS3, did not play it originally, but I did jump on the bandwagon a little bit later on. Next, after that, I'm going to be talking about some very quick overarching story beats in the game. Just the main pieces that I would put on a bullet pointed list. It's a little bit longer than I'd like it to be, but I think that they're all somewhat necessary when talking about the game. And then after that, I'll give you some positive and negatives, and then I'll wrap it up with my final rating of the best of the rest. So, one thing to remember that just because I criticize or like elements of a game that you differ from, remember that it's just an opinion, so take it as you will. Disagree with me in the comments. I'd love to hear another opinion about it. 
about the first game. If you're not familiar with the first game and you need a refresher, it basically went like this. After a zombie-like outbreak, you played a character named Joel. He was responsible for escorting a young girl named Ellie across the country to see a group called the Fireflies. Joel learns that this girl is immune to the infection that caused the outbreak. Even if she gets bit by one of these infected people, unlike others, she won't turn. And basically, the Fireflies want to research her so they can develop a vaccine or, or some kind of cure for the disease. But the issue is, is that once Joel brings her to the Fireflies, he learns that the only way to actually get the vaccine itself is to kill Ellie. Ellie would die during the surgery. So basically, he has traveled across the country with her. He's opened up to her. He can't let them kill her, so he breaks into the hospital before the operation, kills pretty much everyone inside, and then Joel lies to Ellie about what happened. He said, oh, it was just some blood work. Don't worry about it. We're all good. Going into part two, uh, The Last of Us Part Two, the actual second game, this game took me about 24 to 25 hours to beat. There's a lot of opportunities to explore. So I do know that if you aren't really down for exploring itself, you're probably going to beat it a lot quicker than I have. I've seen... That some people have beaten it within 17, 18 hours. But for me, I'm more of a walk around until I'm reasonably sure I hit all the major things in a room before I move on. When I'm giving this overview, know that I'm skipping the B and C plots. I am basically sticking with what makes this game this game, what makes the story this story. So this game shows us that Joel and Ellie, after their encounter with the Fireflies, they moved to Jackson, Wyoming in a pretty well-established community. A couple hours in the game, you switch to a character named Abby, who's at this point a total mystery. She doesn't say why she's out in Jackson, but they we know that they're after someone specific. We don't know who, but you can take a wild guess, especially since they keep saying a he, and this is the second game. But she happens to run into Joel and Tommy, who is Joel's brother, and when they're out on patrol. After escaping some infected, Joel, Abby, and Tommy make their way back to Abby's base with all of her comrades. She and her team immediately capture Joel. They make it very clear that they're pissed with him and what he's done to them, and Abby beats him to death. Ellie sees this happen and swears revenge. You play the first half of the game trying to find Abby. You are... Ellie traveling out, Tommy went out ahead of you, and Dina, a romantic interest with you. You're following leads, you're hunting down Abby's friends, you're kind of doing some sick stuff, you start torturing information out of them, or you get the sense that Ellie has really, really fucked these people up before she kills them. And you're dodging two groups, one of which is called the WLF, which is a faction that Abby is now a part of. WLF gets called Wolf just as a quick shorthand way to say it. And then the Scars is the other group, a cult that's taken over an island in Seattle. You have a few flashbacks sprinkled in throughout there when Ellie's hanging out with Joel, some of their adventures. Ellie eventually learning about the actual situation that went down with the Firefly Hospital and how Joel killed everybody. But eventually, Ellie finds the last of Abby's friends and tries to take information from them. She sort of has a breakdown from everything she's been through so far. You know, the violence, the, her actions, the repercussions. She keeps putting herself and others in danger. Other people keep getting hurt because of this revenge mission. And she starts to really have an internal struggle with the effects of both Joel's death, the effects 
of her revenge plot that she's currently on, and she's kind of battling with that inside. Abby is eventually able to find her location. She kills one of Ellie's friends, Jesse, and she seems to mortally wound another, Tommy. She holds the gun to Ellie, and it goes to black. Now in the second half of the game, you switch, and you start playing as Abby in the past. You start playing at the same time that Ellie had arrived to Seattle, and so these timelines kind of intersect towards the climax of the story when they first finally see each other and meet each other since Joel's death. It shows Abby's quest, a little bit more of her backstory, a lot more of the crew she's with, and it gives them all personalities and emotions and backstories. And it's revealed that Abby came out to Jackson specifically for Joel to take revenge on him. She and a few others from the group were part of the Fireflies that Joel brought Ellie to. Her dad specifically was the one who was going to create a vaccine from Ellie. Joel killed him in the last game, and she wants revenge. After doing a few missions and learning that Wolf is preparing to invade the Scar's base, Abby befriends a young trans boy who is escaping the Scars with his sister and eventually works out to get him out of the area and into a new life. She escapes with Lev, but it doesn't come without crossing her former allies, the Wolf. She disagrees with what they're doing and decides that Lev is more important. She eventually finds out what Ellie did in the first half of the game with killing all of her friends, hunts Ellie down, Eventually she wins, she lets Ellie go and says that she doesn't want to see her ever again. She and Lev escape to Seattle to try to find a rumored Firefly group that is regrouped after Joel's actions in the first game. But she and Lev are captured by a new group called the Rattlers while looking for Fireflies down in California. The final part of the game switches back to Ellie. She's trying to recover from the drama, but she can't. She lives on a farm with Dina, the girl that Ellie's been traveling with for the course of the game. She learns about Abby's whereabouts from Tommy, who survived the encounter, and she decides that, at that point, that she needed to finish what she started, and she goes to hunt Abby again. And Abby is now in Rattler hands, and so she actually breaks into the Rattler camp. She frees Abby from the clutches, and they have one last epic fight. They're both wounded and weak, and while they're in their scrap... You know, things get really ugly. Abby literally bites off two of Ellie's fingers, her pointer finger and her middle finger, from her left hand? Left hand. Even though that happened, Ellie eventually gets the upper hand, but instead of killing her, she lets Abby go. She sees visions of Joel, and she starts to realize where this path of revenge is leading her. So that's just a very broad overview of the plot. Right now, I'm going to talk about the positives of the game, the positive things that I really liked and the thing that made me turn on the PS4 every day to try to just get a couple more hours into it. And then after this, I'm going to go into the negatives, the things that I really didn't like, and the things that brought down the game a little bit for me. So first of all, I think it's an undeniable fact the graphics in this game are just beyond outstanding. I mean, it is pushing even my launch era PS4, I don't even have a PS4 Pro. I don't even see the full scope of what the graphics here have to offer. But there were so many stunning shots throughout the game that I literally, I just kept finding myself pausing, going into photo mode, you know, taking shots of the landscapes, the buildings, playing with the colors. I mean, it was absolutely marvelous. The facial expressions that you see on some of these characters are 
jaw dropping as well. You know, you see every squint, every twist of the muscles in the face as they contort and they struggle when they're fighting or finishing someone off. When Ellie gets behind someone or Abby gets behind someone and they decide to do a silent takedown or something. You know, Ellie, she's like gritting her teeth and you can see the the muscles in her face and her neck, you know, twisting and tightening as she starts to drag her knife across someone's neck. I mean, it, it is absolutely incredible. And if you haven't been able to see it, it really shows how far gaming has gone in this sense. I think it's probably some of the best facial animations specifically that I've seen thus far. All the other parts, not just that, you see every teardrop, the pain on someone's face is pretty much perfectly reflected in the graphics. You know, you start feeling like you're watching real people have real emotions. And it brings me to my second point that plays into that one, the acting. The, obviously, the facial expressions can't happen without the acting. And I think the acting in this game goes hand in hand with the graphics where it's just totally incredible. The pain and the passion in these characters' voices, they come through immediately. You believe each of these actors with the way that they're portraying their respective characters. They are genuine and they're deep in the way that they're played. Your heart breaks when their heart breaks. You laugh when, when they're having fun. It's just absolute excellency that is brought to life on your screen. I mean, it is absolutely impressive that... You find yourself drawn in when these characters, these fake people, are having emotional moments. It is really a testament to the actors who are in this game. I think the sound in this game is next level as well. The music, Ellie's actually able to play guitar throughout the game. You, you use your touchpad, and I'm not really a big fan of the touchpad on the PS4. I think it's more of a gimmick, but there is an aspect of, I kind of feel like I'm playing guitar right now. Not really, but... I can dig it. I can see what they're going for, and I kind of like it. It's fun, especially when you pull off a quick succession of notes, and it sounds like you're putting together actual music. Like, it's a lot of fun at some points. Along with that, there's sound mixing things with the effects of you walking through a forest or through a concrete jungle, the weather as it's pounding against the side of the building you're in, the wind howling when you're really up high. It really draws you into the moment. I think it is an absolute great example of the way that sound can be portrayed in this art form that is gaming. I think the gunplay and the shooting in this game is a drastic improvement from the first, along with stealth. There are so many more options to sink your teeth into. When you're actually shooting and fighting, it feels much more fluid to me than it was in the first game. I think that the shooting in the first game needed a, a major facelift, and I think that this was just the recipe to make that happen one of the things i was super happy for because i don't think it happened even once in ellie's story it might have happened a couple times in abby's story but i'm so so glad that every building wasn't solved with well hey let me prop you up here or, oh hey you better find a ladder or a wooden pallet for ellie to float across a river on while joel has to like be underwater and pushing it all at the same time. That, at least to me, stood out as one of the major faults of the first game, and I'm glad they were able to kind of put that to the side and come up with more creative ways in some senses about entering buildings. I have a little bit more on that in my negatives, but as of here, I'm glad they got rid of that, at least to me, major sore thumb of the first game. 
there were a couple really, really good moments in the game that I liked. The first one that comes to mind, even though I'm a gigantic scaredy cat, I do not like horror at all whatsoever. I am just a giant pansy when it comes to it, fully admitted. But the basement of the hospital, when you fight that giant infected mess of a creature, it was unreal. It was so cool. It was like Jaws plus a zombie outbreak plus something that you can't kill. I mean, you know, you're sitting there trying to turn and you're shooting at it and you're like, wait, that's not working right now. I have to keep running. You're just pounding the square button trying to break down a door so you can escape from the creature. I mean, like it amps the tension up to 11 as you're just running for your life. You do feel it. One thing that I actually really, really loved about the game, and this isn't a comment on the story at all, but it's more of the fact that you are able to play as Abby and you're able to see her perspective. I think that one thing that the game does really well is showing you that everyone is a hero of their own story. I think there's an old saying of there are no villains sitting in their rooms rubbing hands together. It's basically just people that are doing things that line up with their goals. And the hero is someone that happens to interfere with those goals or the protagonist that interferes with those goals. This was a perfect example of that. Abby wasn't just a person who decided to kill Joel for no reason. There was a very legitimate and a very understandable character motivation that brought her there, taking revenge for her father. She wasn't just setting up a trap and waiting for people to come around and it happened to be Joel. There was a character motivation and purpose for it. And I think that because of this aspect, because of this effect, the second half of the game really starts to shine because it shows Abby's connection to the people in her group. You hang out with people that you, who earlier played as Ellie, killed in the first half of the game. These people are no longer faceless people that Ellie kills. You start to think back and you go, I remember Ellie killed that person, right? But then now you learn things about that person and it just gives these characters so much more depth. And it basically turns it from a normal game of saying, okay, those are Abby's friends, I have to kill them. But now since you start playing as Abby, it gives you an opportunity to say, okay, that person that I killed was named Owen. And he has a backstory and a relationship with Abby that hits a lot of points. He's fleshed out. I know a lot about this character. I know his motivations. I know what he's about and why he got here and how he got here, right? And that's really good storytelling. That is an absolute excellent thing. It's not just a flashback where you see something about Abby. You get to play as her and in her life and how she interacts with the other people of Wolf and the people that were former Fireflies and her trying to take revenge and all those people that are with her to take revenge. It was just really good because you come across a murder when you play as Abby and you get to experience both sides of the coin. Ellie getting that vindicating moment of taking revenge and the other side, Abby feeling grief for that person. When it comes to the story, I liked it for the most part, although I had a few issues with it towards the end. I'll cover just the positives for right now, but the negatives are coming in the next section. I think that things make sense in this plot from an overall standpoint when it comes to how I would expect characters to act minus one part of the ending that I think could have been fleshed out. It makes sense from the characters that we have seen that the Fireflies would want revenge for what Joel did. And while it sucks that Joel died, I love Joel. Joel is absolutely a guy that just while being on screen, you know how much he's gone through, you know how much he's lost, and you love him. 
if you were to play a game that didn't have any kind of consequences for actions, I would have actually been much more disappointed in that than anything else. You can't just leave this thread hanging of, yeah, this man basically destroyed humanity's last hope of how to fix this issue because of how much he cared about Ellie. And granted, he did it for good reasons. I would have done the same exact thing in Joel's situation. I think about family members that I have where I deeply care about them. I love them. But if someone that I loved and cared about were in the situation that Ellie was in, and if I was told that their life would have to be sacrificed for this, uh, you know, it was sacrificed preemptively, it just wouldn't even be on the table. It's not even an option. Don't waste my time with that shit, right? I would have done the same thing that Joel did. But the thing is, is that Abby's group has their own motivations. And when Joel kills her dad, if you knew nothing about Joel and Ellie, let's say you played the first game as Abby. This man comes in who you don't even know, kills your dad, and escapes with the one person who could have created an actual cure for the world. You know, you would want revenge on that person. And that's exactly what I want when I'm playing a game. I want the realism of the situation. I would probably want to make that person suffer as much as possible, which is exactly what Abby did. They took something from you and you wanted revenge. The people in the game act exactly as I would expect them to. And I found it to be a very refreshing breath of air when it comes to how we experience a story. There's not plot armor here. There are consequences for your actions. I want everyone to have a happy ending, but if somebody does something like what Joel did, where he basically murdered, you know, 50 people in a hospital, a bunch of people that you were friends with and that you knew, someone who was close to you, like your father, yeah, there's going to be actions for that. There's going to be consequences for uh, a person's actions. And there are other factions that are going to be, there have to be repercussions in a game where it is mainly a story-driven game, or else it's not believable in my eyes. Another thing that I thought was really good in the game were the flashbacks. I was so sucked into one that really pops out was the one where Joel is taking Ellie on an adventure in a museum for her birthday. He was researching things. He was trying to, he was trying to be the fatherly figure to her that he wasn't able to be the Sarah, the his daughter that died in the first game. And it was just, it was exactly what I hoped for. You know, you're playing as Ellie, you come across the T-Rex that's out in the front yard of the museum, and Joel is, he's so excited that you're excited. I went up to the T-Rex, and I was like, I'm going to be super pissed that they don't let me climb the dinosaur. But my worries were for not, because I climbed the shit out of that dinosaur. And then I was able to explore the rest of it, and you're able to have a really, really deep moment where these characters are forgetting about the shitty situation they're in, and they're just living for each other. Another thing that I liked was at the very end when Ellie tries to play guitar, but because of the missing fingers from her fight with Abby, she can't complete the song that Joel taught her. It's kind of like a literal representation of revenge will take something from you that you wouldn't have expected or something that you weren't ready to lose. And it was pretty much, like I said, the most physical and literal way possible. And I thought it was a, a smart story choice to do that. And it really hammers home what Ellie's choice was. Again, I'm going to get into that part specifically in the negatives, but I think that part itself was good as a kind of wrap-up follow-through for the game. Okay, so on to the negatives. 
I think that the positives in the game were pretty good. You know, there are points that I really, really am going to just fanboy about for a little bit. But there are negatives in this game that are weighing down the game for me in total in a very big way. And I feel like it really sucked the air out of the game for me when I got to the parts that I didn't like. One of the things that I really, really don't like in the Last of Us formula are some of the gameplay elements. Some of them are carryovers from the first game, like the way that encounters are set up. You know that if you see a door in a building, don't even waste your time going near it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth the time you're sacrificing to get further in the game. You know it's going to be locked or jammed or boarded up every single time, right? It, it's I literally started just walking past doors instead of trying them because they were too obvious because I knew they would be locked. And then I'd go back going, well, just in case, maybe they mixed it up. I don't want to miss anything. And then it'd be locked. And then I'd kick myself for just wasting my own time. It is never easy to enter a building. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it makes sense from a lore perspective that everything would be locked up during a pandemic. But just after the 400th building, you just start to get so, so sick of it where you just sit there and go, Okay, yeah, I get everything's locked, but I've done this 400 times. You know I can get into the building, so just give me a fucking break once in a while, right? It just eventually starts to feel more like a time filler than it does anything else. Like, the game, like I said, took me about 24 or 25 hours to finish, but I feel like I could have got it done in 20 if I wasn't just running around the whole fucking city trying to find a broken window or a broken wall or something like that. Again, I get it from a lore perspective, but there's some point where, I don't know, reward me for doing it 399 times and give me the, just give me the one pat on the back of, yep, I don't know, glass is broken on the front door, you can just climb right in. That would have been very, very nice, but that just pretty much never happened. There were either no doors or they were boarded up to shit and you had to climb in somewhere else. So I don't know. That was just a point that I was just annoyed with, especially when you're playing as Abby because you've gone through 15 and 20 hours of doing this and you're just sitting there going just give me a fucking break just for once I want to finish the game right another thing that I don't like is that you can see encounters coming from a mile away there are so many points where you can just look down at an area and you go okay there's going to be enemies down there if you're looking over a ledge that's too far to climb if you fall you know 100% of the time in a Naughty Dog game that there are going to be enemies there. 100% of the time. I'm going to have a fight on my hands no matter what if I fall down that hole or I fall off that cliff or that ledge or whatever it is, right? You can see it coming from a mile away and it's kind of just annoying. You know you're going to get attacked 50% of the time when you squeeze through a narrow passage or door or something like that. And it stops becoming surprising and it starts just becoming annoying where you're like, okay, there's a tight passage I have to crawl through. Let's just get it over with because an infected is either going to attack me halfway through or as soon as I pass through the door, somebody's going to ambush me or I'm going to get tackled and I, have to, and I have to press square 10,000 times to try to get out of it. It stops becoming fun and you just start saying, let's get it over with. It stopped becoming fun and to quote Reggie Fisame from Nintendo, if it's not fun, then what's the point? And I could not have felt that harder when it came to some of those gameplay mechanics. Now, I had mentioned this earlier, but there were some story elements that I didn't like. 
There are a few points where I thought like that just doesn't make any sense. Like in the world that you've given me, it doesn't make sense that X is happening. For example, when you're playing as Abby, at the very beginning, you go on a mission with Manny and Mel, and Mel is pregnant. You just sit there and go, why is a pregnant woman coming on patrol with us, right? It's not like she just took the test today. This lady looks like she's fucking 40 months pregnant, and there's no way that someone in charge of her group would say, yeah, go out there, show them who's boss, really get in the grime in there. You know, it really, really go and get get your hands dirty. That'll be great. Shoulders infected or show the scars what's up. It's like it, it, try to be realistic in the situation. I realize it's so you can get more FaceTime with Mel and her character and learn more about her. But it just seems fucking insane. Of I know there's a line of Mel saying, of, oh, no, they didn't want me to come out here, but I fought for it and I'm OK. And that's where if I was the leader in a post-apocalyptic world, I'd put my foot down. It's like, no, you're going to get injured. It might harm the baby if you have any kind of injuries, right? And the the future of what we're doing here, your safety, the baby's safety, that's all the jeopardy if you go get shot or you go to if you get turned by an infected. I mean, she literally gets shot partway through the mission and they ask about the kid right away, as expected and as I'd hoped them to be. And it turned out to be fine, but it just felt like it was unnecessary to put in the game, especially since we already have Dina on Ellie's side who's pregnant and still kicking ass. But since she just, you know, found out she's not really showing yet, you know, she's still pretty physical and able to move. It just seemed like, I just feel like when you have Mel, you just don't believe it when she's like waddling from car to car sometimes. And that might be a little bit mean. She wasn't quite waddling, but the the point still stands where you're like, come on, just let's, let's not have this. You know, it's not realistic. And I know it's not realistic. One thing I wanted to talk about was towards the end of the story, when Ellie spares Abby at the end of the game. I don't think that it's bad on principle, and I know a lot of people disagree with that. I know there is a very significant chunk of people who just totally, in every way, think that's the dumbest shit ever and should have never been in the game and that Ellie should have killed Abby, right? I don't think it's a bad idea on principle, but I think that the way it was presented in this story needed a bunch of work. I think there's a lot of, when you're looking at Ellie's psyche, you know, whether it comes from reading her journal or the nightmare she has or some of the ways that she talks to people, you see that the violence itself has kind of gone too far for Ellie, especially when she comes back after beating that one friend of Abby's with a fucking pipe. And she literally is just trying to like squeeze her hand to get the shakes out before she walks back in like you can tell that this is starting to take an effect on her but that's more about like how violent revenge is but you don't hear a lot about how forgiveness becomes the path to healing other than the very very last part of the fight when ellie is literally on top of abby trying to drown her in the fucking ocean i mean there are connecting dots in this game about how revenge is just hurting everyone close to ellie like jesse like dina like tommy But maybe being able to show people who have let go of their hate and lust for revenge might have been good. Maybe it was good to meet somebody who's gone through that or Dina having an an example of how she overcame that. Or maybe even Ellie saying, yeah, I did feel better after I forgave that person, even though they did something that I know I won't like them for. But this is just something that's bigger than that. Or maybe she actually says something specifically about how or maybe Ellie while seeing Lev inside of the theater after Lev had shot Dina in the shoulder, 
you know, maybe she actually has a conversation with Bina later of saying, yeah, you know, I really didn't get where Abby was coming from or, and I won't ever like her as a person for doing that. But there is some point where I get it. I get why she's doing what she's doing because Joel did the same exact thing for me. You know, she didn't say that. And so you're kind of sitting here going, well, this whole forgiveness thing kind of came around the corner at me. Maybe her having a conversation with Dina about forgiveness would have been a it would have been a huge boost in my eyes to make it more apparent that forgiveness is the better option for Ellie towards the road of recovery, right? She still has PTSD about what happened to Joel and the violence she's experienced, but being able to forgive being a at least a medication for it, maybe not a cure, but at least a way to help ease her troubled mind would have been really appreciated in my mind. And I know some people are angry that Ellie said she was going to go for revenge, but then she didn't take revenge on the one who took Joel away from her. But in my mind, characters are more of a roller coaster, right? I didn't mind that too much. I don't think that's necessarily a negative. Anakin Skywalker goes from slave boy to war hero to the right hand of the most evil man in the galaxy to redemption. And that's what makes him interesting. I think Ellie's allowed to do the same, you know, initially being blinded by hate, wanting revenge. And then sinking into some really horrific stuff, all to come out with forgiveness being the path towards healing. I don't mind that character arc, but I just wish we could have seen a little bit more of that beforehand so it didn't come out of left field. Okay, so those are my positives and negatives that I thought seemed significant towards this, right? If there was a part that I didn't mention, feel free to say, oh my god, I can't believe you didn't mention blank, and we'll talk about it. So with this game, I also feel that people would not have hated it as much if the leaks didn't pop up. I think if the leaks didn't pop up, I think some people would have not already been set in the mindset of, I'm going to hate this when it comes out, right? Because seeing bullet point spoilers doesn't give you all the context. And in my mind, personally, I think that makes it so you aren't going to give the game a fair shake. Maybe you did, maybe you turned, maybe you still played the game and you still hated it, whatever, that's totally your prerogative. But at least in my mind, I know that if I had something like that, and I went into a game ready to hate it, and then I play it, I'm probably going to end up hating it. So it seems like the game doesn't even get the chance to try to impress you. With all of the things that I think that are really good in the game, if you played it and hate it, I have no problem with that at all, at all whatsoever. But if you are like those people who are just like that dude on Reddit, angrily DMing people spoilers... There's nothing that this game could have done. It could have literally just printed out gold while you were playing it, and you still wouldn't have liked it, right? It's just in my own eyes. You can feel free to disagree with me. But I think moving on to my score, so again, my rating is divided between the best and the rest, the best being those that you could make an argument for being the best of its kind of all time, or the rest, it's not in there for me. This game actually falls into the rest. I like the game overall, but I think there are just a couple of issues that really take away from the game experience as a whole to me. There are really transparent action sets. You know exactly what's coming. There's repetitive gameplay when you're trying to make your way through X issue and you know exactly how it's going to end because you've done it 400 times before. And there are some storyline issues that cause me not to like it as much as I could. I think it's a good game. I think you should try it for yourself, see how you like it. But I don't think it belongs in the best category. I think this game belongs with the rest. I might say it's a little bit closer to mid or high level for the rest. You know, 
if even a couple of the big points that I had were improved, I think I would have absolutely put it in there. But I think it took away from it just enough to where I just don't see myself wanting to ever play through it again, which I think is probably the best way to tell if it actually is one of the best games of all time. So that is the show for today. I really appreciate you coming by to listen to it, whether it be on SoundCloud or whether it be on YouTube. Still trying to get old iTunes to work, but there is some hurdles that you have to go through as a producer to get something uploaded there. It's just like, and I know that last time I had said this is going to be weekly. Right now, I just don't have enough time for that. I'm going to kind of put myself out there monthly-ish. I don't really want to commit myself to a full date until there are more people that start listening to this. And by more people, I mean anyone. And <laughs> uh, just literally anyone. But anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, semi-regularly, you know, once a month-ish, I'm going to be releasing a new episode. Uh, but until that time, you know, I, I really want to make these quality. want to be able to get a good sense. I don't ever want to feel like I'm rushing already have work, extracurriculars, friends, stuff like that. You know, I'm not I'm not going to kill myself over making sure one of these comes out every week. Right now, the resources just aren't there. So that's how that'll go. If you have any kind of requests, things you'd think I might like, things you might think I dislike, things you want to hear I have an opinion on, feel free to send the next request to the best and the rest podcast at gmail.com. I will respond to you guaranteed. And if it is a show that I think deserves to be on the podcast, you know, I'll make sure to give you a good shout out and thank you for your time. So again, thank you guys very much. Hope you have a great night. Thanks again. And I hope to see you soon.